Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. Restless. You steal the Declaration of Independence. Fly so simple. I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome, everybody, to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and today I got my Marvel nerd boys. That doesn't roll off the tongue. I got Zach and Josh with me today to talk about the MCU as a whole, where it's headed, where it's been, what we liked, what we don't like, all that good stuff. Expect this to be our spicy hot take episode of the month. We're very excited to talk about this. We're so excited that we didn't prepare at all. Um, both of the yeah. both of you guys have told me that we don't have any notes, which means that we're just going to let it be a conversation, which is going to be a lot of fun. We could talk about this for hours, and hopefully it's a little bit less than that for your sake. How are you guys doing today? Good. We're here. Yeah, doing well. Good. Josh, Enough you didn't said. do your intro. You didn't do your intro. Ah, good morning. <laughs> I don't know when you're listening to this, but good morning. There I hope go. it was a good morning. Yeah. Whether it was yesterday morning or today morning. Or right. two years from the future from now morning. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive Comment right down below if you're listening to this two years from now. <laughs> um, Greetings from 2023. Let's dive right into it. We have all been on that Marvel hype train back in the day is what I would say now. Josh and I went to see a lot of Phase 3 movies in theaters when they came out, especially living through Infinity War and Endgame. That whole year or two of excitement building up to the biggest culmination of the coolest cinema story ever told, subjectively, of course. And then I met Zach in college, and we found out that we really like Marvel stuff as well. So these are my Marvel guys that we just, you know, like talking about Marvel. And so as these movies have kind of declined in quality, I've continued to talk with them through the years and what's changed and what caused us to become so frustrated with movies. And Zach and I have talked a little bit we on the podcast about specifically Ant-Man. And in our Quiet Place episode, we did a little side uh, tangent where we <laughs> amended our view on Quantumania and how it was a really, really bad movie that I was overly hyped for. And we can talk about future movies and what that will look like here and, you know, what what we're missing and all that. So basically looking back, at the MCU over the past 15 years, more specifically phase one through three, 2009 to 2019 or so. What was so unique about these superhero movies that were both groundbreaking in how superhero movies were done, what attracted them to us, and why are they? Why do they still hold up and have set the stage for how to make a movie action-packed, funny, entertaining like they were? It's a big question, honestly. <laughs> yeah, loaded it is i'll admit it <laughs> to start off i think just having such cool characters having each one being so unique and still being able to like draw them all together in something that you can kind of see coming i think the idea of almost putting like a movie puzzle together like seth you and i have talked in tenet where we just enjoyed putting together the movie so much i think what marvel started off and what really kicked it off is slowly presenting each movie as a puzzle piece of something much bigger and then having all of that hype leading into these Avengers movies and especially in the first one you get this idea of holy cow this is all connected somehow and then going from that first Avengers movie is really where it just started to pick up so much steam and the hype that came from that in that thinking of 
oh my goodness, this person's going to be in this movie and, and this is going to tie into their story. That kind of excitement is just unmatched. But it also became too big of a part of it. And all of the hype did come from that. Yes, we got so excited of it being part of a puzzle. But then you finish this big square and then you start trying to put pieces on the side of the edge pieces, if that makes any sense whatsoever. After Endgame, I think, is where most people would agree where it happened, where you finished putting the puzzle pieces together, it was a good ending, and then you tried putting more pieces on the sides, even though they just weren't going to go there. But yeah, I think to answer your question, just again, this idea of a puzzle, putting it together from movie to movie, and putting stuff together yourself with end credit scenes and stuff like that, and then what you see from the comics, and I think that was just the most fun part of it as well. Yeah, I think clear clear direction is what really made, one of the things that really made the Infinity Saga great as a whole, like, you know, starting with the end of the first Avengers movie, you know, with the Thanos after credit scene, you know, we knew where things were heading. I mean, I bet multiple people had to Google to figure out who that was first time it played, but yeah, we knew where things were going, and we understood how each movie kind of, like, fit into place in the larger story, compared to now, where there's just so many different side projects and like while we do know that kang will be the main threat moving forward it's just there's just like 20 other plot lines going on that just seem to be just like going everywhere and nowhere at the same time mm-hmm. i think it goes without saying that marvel and iron man starting it off starting the whole mcu as we know it off changed how movies were made because iron man was supposed to be a one-off movie and then yeah. never to be thought of again. And it's just kind of cool. And I think John Favreau took a risk with that post credit scene with Nick Fury wanting, you know, bringing him into something more. And I'm sure there were post credit scenes before that, but Marvel really epitomized the usage of them. And I think it's a problem. I think we can talk about this a little bit. I think Marvel has ruined post credit scenes because after every movie I go see in the theater, I now have to look up, is there a post credit scene to see if it's worth me yeah. staying? I don't want to do that. I almost dislike doing that. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. I want to appreciate every single person who worked on that, but it just turns into a game of who has the funniest name. <laughs> yeah. But it is kind of, I have a love-hate relationship with post credit scenes where it can be there that nugget of extra something for the fans but it's the weight that's the problem and it is somewhat disrespectful to movie theater employees who just want to clean and get them get out of there even i remember going to see endgame there was uh, a piece of paper on the front that said there is no post-credit scene after endgame please do not stay until the end of the credits and yeah. josh and i looked at each other and we were like we, we gotta do check, it though we gotta do it and it was they kind of lied because there was the hammer banging on the metal at the end which was significant not worth it though not worth it at all so my point though is that at the end of iron man hinting at something bigger which it was supposed to be something even bigger than bigger because it was supposed to be his line had something to do with mutants wall crawling men or something like a referencing x-men spider-man all a bunch of other ones it's supposed to be a lot bigger but they obviously couldn't do that because of fox's ownership of those characters but it kicked off something crazy and it started you know it went on to iron man 2 and each of these characters have something different then we got captain america and then Thor, and then Nick Fury appearing also in Captain America at the end when he wakes up in 2012 New York. And I believe he also was at least referenced in Thor. There, It started to become connected more and more. And I wish I could have been a lot older than I was at that time to 
to get excited at that point in time when Mm -hmm. nothing like this had been done before two three different characters three different movies had never really come together for their ultimate movie that was more of a tv show thing if if Mm -hmm. if that so it was really crazy for something like that to to be attempted and i think that the first avengers movie pulled it off really well and then it just kind of exploded from there. We got a lot of different characters like Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, and it just kept right. going and going. And they still managed to keep it under control. Like, everything yeah. still seemed to be pointing toward an end goal, and they announced Avengers 3 and 4 eventually, and we knew that was going to be it. And yet, each story still kind of felt like its own. There is some plot holes with that, like, why didn't the Avengers show up in The Winter Soldier? That was kind of a big thing. (laughs) But plot holes aside, it still felt like everyone's own movie. Yes, there could be cameos like Falcon in Ant-Man, but they didn't really hinge on that. Whereas in Phase 4, we have wanda basically being the main character of doctor strange in the multiverse of madness where the cameos played so well into the creation and evolution of the mcu has now probably become its downfall and everything has to be connected and you cannot watch a one-off show or movie without some confirmation that this is indeed a part of the mcu it seems like and this is why james gunn has come out and said that the guardians 3 movie will be a guardians volume 3 movie It is not going to be another continuation of something in the MCU. He doesn't need to feed into that anymore. He has made this movie to be a third installment of the Guardians movie. And I appreciate that. And again, I'm still excited for Guardians. I am ready to be let down, though. We interrupt your regularly scheduled... (laughs) Keep that in. (laughs) (laughs) We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I just saw it today. These guys probably saw it last weekend. And this is coming out the week after, so it's perfect. Our Guardians episode came out last week. I was very hesitant to be so positive about it, and I want to just do like our kind of quick review on it. So, boys, I want you to give your one-minute review of the movie. So the movie was very enjoyable. I went into the movie theater. I didn't have much for expectations, but they were still exceeded. I enjoyed myself in the movie, and when I stepped away, I was still able to think about the movie and enjoy it. I had a ton of fun. Then again, I was also with friends, so just hanging out with friends is always fun. But it kind of brought me back to some of the hype days with Endgame and stuff like that. It was fun to watch it for the sake of just the experience, and it brought me back. Mm. But also, it definitely wasn't on the level of Endgame and Infinity War and that stuff. But I'm not saying it brought me all the way back on the bandwagon with Marvel. And I've got a hot take about it. But I did like it. And it was really good. And it did kind of surprise me with how good it was. Give me out of 10. Out of 10? So 1 being absolute trash. 10 being... 1 being She-Hulk and 10 being Endgame. <laughs> that, that is perfect skill. I would give it probably an 8 or 9, honestly. I, I'd compare it to something like Civil War. I like that. Zach? You only want me to, you only want a one minute review? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Try I, could, talk, keep it. I, I could talk so long about this movie. I've already seen it twice. Twice? Uh, wow. Yeah, I did go a second time because I liked it so much. It's, it's a wild ride. It, it really brought me back to like the, kind of like the 2018 Marvel in a way. It was a lot more emotionally focused than anything we've gotten from Marvel in a while and just absolutely consistent and quality and story and james gunn stayed way more focused on characters than we've seen in like any marvel movie recently so while i don't think 
I, well, I don't want to say Marvel's back, but hmm. a director can still make a good movie in Marvel, is what I would say. So. <laughs> I know Josh's take, and you just fed into it a little bit more. Uh, I'm give me an out of, give me an, give me uh, an out of 10. I would say 9. Yeah. I would say 8.5. My girlfriend does not like that because she doesn't think 8.5 is a real number. That is an actual quote she told me today. 8.5 is not a real number. I just don't think it deserves a 9. I don't think any movie deserves a 10. It's very hard to get a 10 movie, and I don't think they exist because every movie... Passion of the Christ. Maybe, maybe, another, maybe, another, maybe another episode. That, yeah, it's pretty close. And 8 seems too low. So 8.5 out of 10. I really liked it. It was a lot of fun to watch. There were some comparisons that I made to watching Quantumania versus Guardians 3 just because the, the, the difference between the jokes that were very similar but actually hit in guardians like the carrot alien versus the broccoli alien the carrot alien hit so much better than the broccoli yeah, alien yeah. from from quantumania so things like that that were just nice it was a very sad movie i was expecting everyone to die but they just disbanded yeah. and that was also really sad but it was good it was done well yeah i really liked it i was invested through the whole thing i actually enjoyed it and i would rewatch it that is that is the telltale sign now the reason this is in the MCU episode is because I want to hear how this affects the MCU going forward because they're in some trouble now, in my opinion, because with this movie being so good and probably going to do really well, I haven't looked at the numbers for box office. It's presumably doing really well. How does this really good movie after a string of pretty bad movies create a problem for Marvel going forward, knowing that it's not just the banner of Marvel that has made it a bad movie but instead this is who they hired and it is james gunn who is a great filmmaker how do you think this is going to play out after they realize that it's the people who they hire matter rather than mm-hmm. just a check mark on the box of diversity zach i'll let you go Josh ahead if you itching. have any thoughts because oh. i might i might spill i'm ready for your hot take okay <laughs> so here here is my my thoughts i thought it was so good and james gunn absolutely nailed it he stayed true to Guardians of the Galaxy and not to Marvel. It was a Guardians of Mm. the Galaxy movie, and it almost wasn't a Marvel movie because who cares what's going on in the rest of the universe at that point because we're just focusing on this story. And that's what made so many of the other movies before Phase 4 so good because they had the ability to be a standalone movie rather than having to watch Mm -hmm. six, seven other films to try and understand anything that's going on in it. Right? And I almost don't want to give... Actually, no. I'm going to say it. I don't want to give Marvel any credit for this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. (laughs) I want to give it all to James Gunn because he's just a good director and he made it well. He he did everything right. He had one of the coolest fight scenes in movie... Any movie that I've seen, that hallway fight scene, blew me away. It was sad. It was funny. It had so many good moments in it that I am going to be quoting for quite a while. But it wasn't Marvel. And I, th- it's just in the theater, it made me realize how much I like short trilogies. I thought of volume one, I thought of volume two, and then I thought of, thought of volume three. And I'm like, this is perfect. The band left. It's as sad as it was to see the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of disband. It was closure. And we're not getting that from any of the other Marvel movies. It's just going to keep going, going, and going, and going. And it made me realize how much I love, I guess I shouldn't say I love it, but how important the feeling of like that it's at an end, that feeling after watching something end is. Like, think of The Hobbit, the feeling you get after you see Bilbo Baggins finally go home 
in that feeling of him walking into the hobbit hole that feeling was recreated when i was watching volume three and having them all disband and i think that kind of emotion being put into into a movie is something that marvel had forgotten about but james gunn understood that some of these emotions need to be in a movie and sometimes that means ending it and we we talked about when a good end is and i think this was a good ending and i don't want another guardians of the galaxy movie i don't want them sure maybe they can be involved in some other marvel projects but for me guardians of the galaxy is done and this was a perfect way to end it and i don't think it was because of anything marvel had to do it was purely a talented director nothing else Mm. yeah i think it's interesting that gamora is really the only connection to the greater MCU story in the film because she's the Gamora. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, the the whole trilogy is just so independent besides that one small thing, which is really cool. I think the the High Evolutionary too was such an intimidating villain. Oh yeah, especially like he became like so much more dangerous of a threat to like once once he knew he lost he's just like so terrifying after that and i don't think we've really gotten a marvel villain that good in a while mm. i think he was way better significantly better than kang i would say so and, much better yeah i loved i i loved the frankenstein kind of i love that in movies just kind of the frankenstein story arc where this guy he's creating monsters who are imperfect but really who is the monster and that his true colors show when he finally realizes that he's going to lose and i also thought yeah. kind of some of the themes that we got from rocket was just amazing because you see him mm-hmm. at the end realize that this guy's defeated and i'm better than him not because i beat him but because what he is calling me isn't true i'm not the monster that he thinks that i am he's i'm not imperfect like he is which we're all imperfect i'm not trying to say that otherwise but i think that that's just so cool the dynamic that we got from rocket's reaction in those final scenes with uh, frankenstein the scientist which we all know that frankenstein was the scientist Mm -hmm. not the monster that's a whole debate in and of (laughs) itself but i loved that the part that i really liked was the high evolutionary trying to be creator and god Mm. and realizing you gotta you gotta be careful about how much like theology is affecting this universe because there's a whole argument for why there can't be life forms on other planets simply because of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with using Jesus dying for everyone on earth. But the fact that the high evolutionary is trying to make the perfect world with the perfect people and they keep sinning, if you want to call it that in this universe, they're driving through counter earth and it's supposed to be perfect and there's still violence and crimes committed in the streets. So that part was interesting to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love the overall theme of acceptance that runs throughout the whole film. Yeah. You know, we have Rocket, Star-Lord, and Drax all kind of like coming to terms with their past and who they are. We have Nebula kind of accepting who Drax and Mantis are, and we've got kind of like all the Guardians accepting that Gamora's gone, even though she's like right in front of them. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that overall theme was pretty cool. At least we know that Groot is also secure, just because he knows he is Groot. He tells us all the time. But that is another topic. Do you guys, the the ending, when he said, I love you guys, and that's because we're finally able to understand him? Ah, Dude, that yeah. blew my mind. I did not get that, but sure. It's not because he can speak in another language. It's because we've gone on such a journey with them that we finally can understand Groot. And he's still saying, I am Groot, mm-hmm. but we understand what he's trying to say. And I just think that's so cool. And yeah. James Gunn actually confirmed that in a tweet. 
or some, I don't know if it was a tweet, but he did confirm that. I yeah. think this this movie gives me more hope for DC than it does Marvel. Oh, hmm. with with Very James true. Gunn having like that CEO role at Marvel now, and with him directing Superman Legacy, it's just this movie proved that you know he's more than just the jokes. He can tell. A very emotional story that's just very character focused and that's that's kind of what you need for superman especially so mm. it gives me great hope for both the superman movie and the whole this whole dc universe as a whole i didn't even think about that oh my word that almost makes me excited for a dc movie <laughs> almost all right well thank you guys for jumping on really quick to talk about this i'm glad the movie was good we'll see what this means for marvel moving forward Throughout the rest of this episode, you're going to hear me say, I'm ready to be let down by Guardians 3. Well, past Seth, I'm happy to tell you you were not let down. Don't listen to that guy. (laughs) So let's get right back into the episode. Kind of going on with what you said about Guardians 3, I even remember James Gunn saying that Thor was never going to be in the film. Taika Waititi kind of took a bullet for him with how he wrote uh, or separated the two characters. And it's just cool to see James Gunn still giving us a Guardians film. Just that's what it is there's not going to be thor in there or any other random i mean we don't we don't know yet the movie's not out but it seems like he's going very like character focused and just very emotional and just staying centered and focused on the characters that we've already grown to know and love from the guardians movies up to this point Mm -hmm. i i think it's very important that you have the meat of your movie be just this one-off story like I think one of the biggest problems that the MCU has been having as of late is they're realizing how popular it is or how cool it is for there to be so many different parts to the story and have so many things interlocking and having a more complex just part in a bigger story with other movies, almost making it a TV show, right? But I think they have overdone it to the fact that it's just too much for them to really be able to focus on what the main point of the story is. And that's why I've got more hopes for this new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, because it's Guardians of the Galaxy. They've come out and said that this is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. It's about them, and it doesn't feel like it has to be... I have to figure out what happened in the other movies or Google what the end credit scene for this movie was to understand how this movie is going to play out. No, it's just going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. And don't get me wrong, with the first three phases, that's what was so much fun. But it was the seasoning on top of the whole phase. It wasn't embedded into every movie to where I felt like I had to just do research for each movie. So I, I thought that was just it's been kind of disappointing to have all of these new movies come out and honestly thor love and thunder just didn't resonate with me it it's a movie and they took out all of the meat of the of what the mcu used to be and it just felt like a bunch of filler i would say that marvel has followed the path of the arrowverse if anyone knows anything about the arrowverse it was really loved when it was in its conception and first few seasons arrow season one and two is really good flash season one is all right the flash is a very inconsistent superhero there's problems with that and as the entire i mean the arrowverse was kind of a reflection of marvel they wanted to be interconnected and have all their characters crossing over they just did it a lot faster because tv has to come out that much faster but as time went on you see their cgi budget really crash their writing, the acting, just plummet in quality. And the same thing is happening to Marvel. So I would argue that from the beginning of the Arrowverse 
to the end, which I believe it's coming to an end here with. The Arrow finished a couple years ago. Flash is, I believe, in its last season. Yeah, Flash season nine, yeah. Yep. And oh, so, hold on, nine? Yeah. Yeah. Flash took mm-hmm. nine seasons to finally say, all right, we're going to cut this. I quit at two. I quit uh, at yeah. two. I quit like halfway through six. So. <laughs> you made it that far? Oh, my word. Yeah. yeah. I applaud you. I just think that that style, I guess you can say, of really good really good and then kind of dipping plateauing into mediocrity and then plummeting into problematic happened a lot quicker for the arrowverse they also have a lot more coming out like when a when a season of a tv show comes out that's like an easy seven eight hours of content there whereas when a marvel movie comes out you've got two hours of content there so it takes much mm-hmm. it, it all of the content is coming out right away so it's much easier to have all of it fall down once it comes out I understand that the making a TV show is different from making a movie. First season of Arrow came out in 2012 and is in the Arrowverse as a whole, including Flash and all that, is ending this year. So it's about 11 years, a little bit longer than Marvel. But the decline of the Arrowverse happened a lot faster. And I think with movies like the MCU, it has just been drawn out longer. It's still the same style, but it takes a longer time to get there. So after Endgame, something happened, and I want to talk, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Something happened that quality dropped off, the ability to write a good story. It doesn't, it's not that hard to write a good story. I've seen people on uh, YouTube who have very few subscribers. It's not like they're doing it for anything. They write a better story in their video essay for how that movie could have gone rather than these people (laughs) who are being paid millions of dollars to write these stories. It's ridiculous. And my thought is that they lean too far into what made the superhero movies unique, which was the quippy one-liners, the the funny violence, if you will, the, the comedic fight scenes where they're acknowledging how ridiculous this is or they're talking about how funny it is that they're making up names. Just compare in your mind or go watch the movies. Think about the seriousness of any movie from phase one, two, or three in a serious scene compared to a serious scene in phase four where... More often than not, it's met with a joke or I'm thinking of Thor specifically. Thor just made a crazy character switch and he's a whole mess that we'll talk about in his episode. But I'm thinking the the one the scenes that are coming to mind is the first Iron Man when Tony is like tightening his glove and he's like watching the news and like it's serious. It's an actual story. Or the Sokovia Accord scene in Civil War, which Civil War is kind of a mess, but it's also pretty good. Is yeah. there's just a heaviness to the story. I have not felt that heaviness from a single movie from Phase 4 so far. And I mean Phase 4 is over. But I want that heaviness of a story, you know? And it's not that hard, but they've dropped the ball way too much. And part of it is making these stories into TV shows for Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus has been the worst thing to happen to Disney in a long time. Because they are desperately trying to keep that thing alive when they know that people don't want to watch their shows. But they think that the more they produce, the more views they'll get. But that's not it. The more quality of the shows, the yeah. more people will watch it. And they just think mm-hmm. that boom, 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 WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, back and forth, these names that you recognize, it doesn't work that way, guys. <laughs> I, I will admit I did enjoy Hawkeye, though. I didn't like Loki. Yeah. I didn't like love-hate relationship with WandaVision. But Hawkeye, I enjoyed because I liked the character of Hawkeye so much. But that's just my hot take. I think Hawkeye had a lot of potential. They could, yeah. they, they, for a second, I, we talked about this sometime. I forget which episode. We talked about where he was 
grieving over Natasha and they were watching this. I mean, these are kind of back to back scenes. They were watching Rogers, the musical, and he felt very emotional about how the things that he went through are now being played off as a joke. Like that could have been so deep for the entire show, but it lasted Uh for about 10 minutes. If that of him almost grieving all the things that had happened over Mm -hmm. the past 10 years to him with the blip losing his family losing natasha and losing tony and now these people are singing on stage all about it making it a joke not a joke but making it entertainment and then he goes out and talks kind of to natasha not her grave but it was like a plaque in remembrance of her and he has a little monologue that was pretty beautiful and then that's it that's like all they talked about it except for a little bit with elena Yeah, and there is potential in the concept of all these stories, but I think the execution failed on a lot of them. Some of it's just like an over-reliance on shock value right Mm. now. Like, you know, while we're talking about Hawkeye, Kingpin is meant to to be like the main villain of this series. We don't see him till the end of like the second to last episode Mm. just for the shock value. You could have set him up the beginning as the villain but instead they were just gonna like we're just gonna create all this hype and shock and that's what will bait fans and i think another downfall i'm not saying it's the downfall it's something that i disagree with is keeping actors from different series different completely different movies that should have no connection i get that people like those things i'm thinking of daredevil and wolverine hugh jackman and charlie cox are great actors in that role. But I feel like that's very limiting to somebody else who could have their own take on a character. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine hasn't, or they haven't really done this with Hugh Jackman yet. He is coming back for Deadpool 3, which kind of makes sense. He and Ryan Reynolds are tight. I wish they recast characters and not... Do you disagree with me, Zach? Well, just, I mean, it was it was somewhat confirmed that the Netflix shows did take place in the MCU with references to like the whole mm-hmm. New York invasion mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think there would have been a, a better way to integrate Daredevil into the MCU. And for the for the case of Deadpool 3, it, it is going to be a multiverse story, which is kind of an oversaturated thing at this point. But And, you know, with the relationship between the actors and just Hugh Jackman's Wolverine being a beloved portrayal of the character. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. I think that, I mean, they will be, Wolverine will probably recast once they get have like the main mcu versions of the x-men whenever that 2026 or 2027 or whenever they plan to do that but for me it does make sense to have charlie cox and hugh jackman in the mcu right now yeah the the i forgot that the netflix shows are technically now canon i still think i don't know i haven't thought through this that much i feel like that shock value is what they're hanging on to. And Charlie Cox in No Way Home was part of that shock. Now, it's not to say like they oh, had yeah. to have built him up in another way. I'm not saying that. I do think that was well utilized. But maybe that scene didn't need to happen. I know that their plans is to make another Daredevil, which I'm nervous about. But they could have just completely taken that scene out and recast Daredevil and pretended the Netflix shows were in a separate universe. I don't think that would have been a terrible thing. I know a lot of people would have been upset about that. But there is, I think this was seen, especially with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. He can't get away from that role. His character has died and he's still playing it. 
somehow yeah. <laughs> it's oh i think i know that they like you said they're probably going to recast wolverine in in the mcu because hugh jackman's getting old he's had his run yeah but there's i think there are multiple points when he was kind of supposed to make his exit out of the x-men movies and he kept coming back because he was mm. so good and i understand that he's a good actor and a, a good role for him but there's something about it that also is like let it die let that era be that era i think that is hollywood in general that's their problem more than just marvel letting something just be that let it sit over there let people go back and watch those movies and enjoy them indiana jones continues the first three were great the last one and the one coming out this summer wait hang on there's one coming out this summer you didn't know this you didn't know I live under a rock. There's a fifth one I coming mean, out. I mean, it's it's got the director of Logan, so there's a chance of it being good. Yeah. But Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious oh my. could have... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows it's gone on too long. I actually have really liked, I believe, four through seven are have been pretty good, or four through six, something like that. And I think with the loss of Paul Walker, it kind of lost its touch. Now it's just... I mean, it's always been about cargo, vroom, vroom, fast, fast, beady, um, which I think Bars. is enjoyable, at least for the, the, for the moment. It may not be deep yeah. in story, but that won't die. They know that it'll keep making money, so they keep doing that. Star Wars. Oh, don't get me get don't get me started oh on Star Wars. We already did Is Star Wars Dead episode, but there has been a lot more coming out recently. I wish we could redo it. Some interesting news. It is. It is. I don't even have words. It's so bad over Again. there. They're just using cameos and bad writing and so many things that should not happen. I don't know. Some of it sounds very intriguing. That's like what. That's what I'm like. What. Like like the movie about the first Jedi, also by the director of Logan. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> You're really banking on this director of Logan guy. Maybe, maybe. I mean, Logan's the only movie I've seen by this guy. <laughs> James Mans, James Mansfield. Yeah, I think James Mansfield is his name. I mean, Logan was great, and from what I've seen, he's he's got a he's a pretty solid director. So I I have high hopes for the first Jedi movie. First Star Wars, I don't think Lucasfilm. What should have been acquired by Disney. They are running off of Grogu merch. That's really what the company is run <laughs> on. And and they really don't respect George's original story. We'll leave it at that. We can do a part yeah. two to Is Star Wars Dead if we want. My point is... I have so much more I could say right now. We should do an updated episode. Hold back. We should do an updated episode. <laughs> I think Hollywood just doesn't know when to let things die. And not die like kill it and pretend it never existed. Just do you guys think... The MCU should have ended with Endgame. Yes. Or No Way Home. No Way Home is kind of the end of Spider-Man's trilogy. I think I think No Way Home is an exception. <laughs> Zach's face. But I uh, do think it should have ended at Endgame. Should no should asked. should should they have switched Endgame and No Way Home the release order and ended yeah. with Endgame? You mean Far From Home? Wait, no. Wait. No Way Home. Oh, you're right. No Way Home's one of the three Spider-Men. No I question. think Far yeah, Far From Home worked as a good epilogue for the Infinity Saga. Okay. And I do think a lot of the projects did make sense at first for Facebook. As a like, concept. I mean, yeah. Once we understood what WandaVision meant, it made sense. Like WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, all those. And I feel like even including some of the new characters like Shang-Chi especially. That, that's a great movie. I don't know what your guys' opinions are. I really enjoy Shang-Chi. Mm. And I, I do think if they would have kind of... It's it's that whole quality over quality thing. They just started pumping way too much out and didn't focus enough on the right projects. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why we just have so much today. A quarter of it's probably like actually good. And that's that's why I don't want to say they should have stopped. Well, far from home. But where they are now almost would have been better 
if they would have stopped there. So in 2019, you you obviously would have been behind them to keep going. But looking back, you would go and stop them. Uh, <laughs> it's a very hard question. You know, it's so easy to fall into the hype of it all. I mean, even now, some of their projects, like Secret Invasion, sounds so sound sounds like it could be so good. But at the same time, just where they're at now, I'm like, I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. If you remember that intensity that I was talking about from those, like the, the the heaviness they let the stories have, that is what they've been teasing us with each trailer. Mm-hmm. I fell for it in Quantumania. I thought it was going to be very deep and that the deal that Kang makes with Scott is something along the lines of, you give your life for everyone else. I fell for that. I'm scared that I'm going to fall for it in Guardians, mm-hmm. and I'm scared that I'm going to fall for it for Secret Invasion. I don't know if I'm going to see Secret Invasion, but it looks mm-hmm. very dark and brooding. I'm ready to be disappointed because I think they know, yeah. maybe they don't know, they know that their strongest points are the ones they show in the trailer that have the most emotional weight, even if it's barely any. But mm-hmm. I think with Endgame, I think what they fell into is knowing when to end. I don't think Marvel wants to stop releasing anything. It makes too much money, and that's their goal. Their goal is no yeah. longer to tell a story. Their goal is to keep this story going as long as they can. And I think that if they just, I, their, I think their thought process is if we just keep on making stories that we leave open ended in some areas, we can keep on tying stuff onto it to draw this out for decades, so that we can keep on just having this as a constant revenue source. When in reality, stuff needs to end. For example, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings, phenomenal. All three of those are in the top movies ever made. And it shows because they had a goal. It was a very ambitious goal, but they made those first three movies and then they stopped. They didn't keep going even though they made so much money. Now, The Hobbit, not as good as the original trilogy, but still really, really good. And they had a goal. They had these three movies that they were going to make and then they stopped. Now, the Rings of Power series, that's that's a different thing. I have not watched it because I don't want to attach something else to a masterpiece like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. But it's kind of the same problem with Star Wars. Star Wars, you had that original trilogy that was perfect, and it was already just so good. You didn't need to have any open-ended stuff so that you could attach something onto it because they knew how to tell a story. And then you had the, the sequels, or... No, the prequels. prequels. Yeah. And those were also really good because their goal was set and they were going to stop at some point. And now they're carrying on and they just don't know when to end this story because it's making too much money. And that's what Marvel has fall- fallen into. Now, I think Endgame, and I will stand on this hill and I will die on this hill, <laughs> Endgame should have been the end. It is in the title, Endgame. Only exception I will say is Spider-Man No Way Home where we got to see Andrew Garfield and... um, (laughs) And there you fall for their nostalgia ploy. Yes. Um, There you are baited into their trap, and that's not even a problem for you. But it was something we needed to see at the same time. Is it? Is it really? Did we need to see it? Answer me that. I, I mean... I loved it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't think we needed it. I think... Okay, hear me out, hear me out. Now, Endgame was the end of the story, right? But the fans were still hungry for an encore, and I think No Way Home is the encore. And then you end it there, No Way Home is like the the little cherry on top, plus we get to see some of 
my favorite actors again, Andrew Garfield. I freaking love Andrew Garfield, even though he got some crappy storytelling in the Amazing Spider-Man universe. We got him again as our wanted Amazing Spider-Man 3. Now, it, I, that's just how I see it. I just see No Way Home as the encore, and that endgame was the actual end. Yeah, I think No Way Home is one of the few exceptions for me for, like, the Phase 4 movies, where while it still had all the fan service and all the jokes and everything, it had it still had emotional depth, which so is much. lacking. In a, yeah, so much emotional depth with Aunt May's death and just all of the his identity being revealed. I mean, that's, that's what was lacking now in most of the MCU films. Like, I feel like even in Wakanda Forever, once you get past... T'Challa's funeral. It's just back to all the jokes and fans are there. Agreed. Which mm-hmm. is just so disappointing to see. It. I feel like it's it's so easy to make an audience laugh, but it, it, it takes more effort to truly emotionally move an audience, which is, I mean, watch any move, almost any movie in the Infinity Saga, and you will most more than likely be at least partially emotionally moved by it. We're not getting that anymore Mm, which is mm. just so frustrating honestly it's i just wish we could we could go back to that level of storytelling instead of them just giving giving us what's easiest for them to make even when my dad went and saw no way home he is he was a og toby Maguire spider-man fan he Mm. didn't understand (laughs) why the heck he would want more the other spider-man i think he understood that they were from the other movies, but he just, he didn't get it. Like, why would you want that as the driving force in your movie? Marvel is definitely the powerhouse of Hollywood right now. And it is running on fumes. It is running on those people who enjoyed Black Panther, who enjoyed Quantumania, who enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder, because all they want is haha. The actual mm-hmm. people who want deep, meaningful stories and character development which is more people than they realize, are severely disappointed, and that is where all this backlash has come out. I don't know that you can find a video on YouTube about why the MCU is still great. That is really the telltale sign, is the people who value a story, like like us, we, we, we appreciate story, original stories, character development, all that that comes with it. The people who care about that and also want to make something, so like, I have this podcast, a lot of people choose to do video essays out are their thoughts expressed in video form you know somebody who went and enjoyed thor love and thunder is not going to go make a video essay on how good it was there's different types of people because the people who went haha funny goat screaming in thor love and thunder are going to let that be that and not do anything about it as as for someone who appreciated gore the god butcher even if his character wasn't that prevalent in the movie which was really sad they can make a video essay on how well he was written in the little bit that he was and how christian bale portrayed him and all that that's that's what people focus on is they focus on the things that are good about that movie and i think even we should be doing that with anything is just the world is a sinful place and this is our takeaway for the day if you were looking for that the world is a sinful place there is almost no good compared to the goodness of god so take what is close (laughs) so take what is closest the the good deeds that are done to others out of kindness and with a love for god take that and focus on that and get hope and encouragement from that or anything else that we do for the glory of god take that and focus on that instead of focus on the bad and i know we're focusing on the bad for marvel but i think about all the good things that the mcu as a story has given us and remember them honestly remember how you felt when oh when captain america picked up thor's hammer and when uh all the spideys swung in in unison Mm -hmm. and 
those feelings and that just let that be the driving force and love for marvel and i just to kind of echo what you were saying earlier with everybody wanting to have just a deeper story and now them only giving the funny parts it's almost giving a disservice to the people who have put so much time and effort into some of these characters and then they're almost just forgetting about where the meat of the story really was and it kind of goes to that one saying whenever you're sad you can't have the good times without the bad times and now the bad times are gone and it's only the good times and now it's just like a well why is this good there's nothing else to contrast it with the mcu movies have lost contrast in their story where you go from like no way home for example you go from aunt may dying in everybody around me crying not me because i'm no baby i, I didn't cry no way, no. i was tearing up but i sucked those things right back up and not one fell but you go from something like that to the witty one-liners and andrew yeah. garfield saying i love you guys and that not being scripted and stuff like that the kind of depth that you get from having such an emotional low to such a funny high and then the excitement of them yeah. swinging together that kind of level of just ups and downs and ups and downs is what makes a good story and how deep it can really go with just different emotions and the mcu has lost that they're just trying to get that really high high but if you keep climbing you're gonna realize that there's no point in being up that high can i present the argument that the marvel cinematic universe is a drug to some people okay not necessarily but. to the extent that they can't live without it some can't yeah some can't but they keep expecting the same thing and the people producing them need to keep producing the same thing mm -hmm. which isn't what is needed for each story mm -hmm. and that's why we keep on saying nope this is gonna be the last draw nope this is gonna be the last draw we fall for it too <laughs> i'm secretly i'm secretly like you know what maybe i'll go and watch another movie after guardians of the galaxy when in truth be told i know that if guardians of the galaxy doesn't do it there's no hope going forward but i'll probably still fall short and be like no I want that same feeling back in Endgame when we went to go watch it as friends and the theater just roared once Captain America picked up the shield or him saying Avengers Assemble and all of the circles going together. That You want to live that moment again and you'll do whatever you can. And usually what I find whenever I want to relive those moments is experience them with someone else and watch them. Like, for example, The Last of Us. That video game is so close to my heart. I love it. Great game. Yes, it's got its things about it that I don't like, but when it finally came out on a TV show, I was so excited to finally show people who don't play video games the story, and I'm not watching I'm I'm not watching the screen. I'm watching their reaction to everything. And I think what the MCU is kind of trying to do is just kind of trying to bring back the feeling of watching a movie for the first time again when none of it is new and it just feels repetitive and old. And it's not its own thing again. Going back to what you were saying about Aunt May's death and just going from that to like the Spider-Man. I do think, you know, that kind of does a good job at encapsulating just like what kind of what we want from a movie. But just like specifically how that was done in that film wasn't the best way of doing it. I've talked about this with Seth a little bit. But just going straight from this emotional Aunt May death to cameo baiting pretty much was just not a good way to do it and it's just it just kind of shows just like how how much we see cameo baiting especially in the mcu today i just saw recently that charlie cox 
was talking about his scene in No Way Home, and he was told to pause before saying his first line. So there was time for the audience to cheer. And even if you watch just, yeah, Andrew come in or Toby come in, there's a pause. And then Multiverse of Madness with John Krasinski, Patrick Stewart, or Haley Atwell, there's there's always a weird pause now when you watch it because mm-hmm. no one's actually cheering. And it's they're turning movies into performances, which mm-hmm. isn't what movies are meant to be. We can Lost. talk about that more in our Spider-Man episode, which will be coming out yeah. probably not for a while. But I want to I wanna segue into a very telling interview that Anthony Mackie had at Comic-Con in 2018, I believe. This was back when Quentin Tarantino really dissed on the Marvel fans and the Marvel movies saying they weren't cinema. And I remember getting upset at this because I was a Marvel nerdy who would not let anyone say anything bad about Marvel. And yet, looking back, he just was ahead of the curve. Now, maybe he did this before Endgame and he doesn't have to like them. I don't... We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Mackie and his agreeance with his, with Tarantino's thought on why it's not cinema. Mackie, when asked about it, he said... The evolution of the business has gone to... Like, there are no movie stars anymore. Mm. Like, Anthony Mackie isn't a movie star. The Falcon is a movie star. And that's what's weird. It used to be with Tom Cruise and Will Smith and Stallone and Schwarzenegger. When you went to the movies, you went to go see the Stallone movie. You went to go see the Schwarzenegger movie. Now you go see X-Men. So the, the, the evolution of the superhero has meant the death of the movie star. And that's the fear now, because you're now making movies for 16-year-olds and China. <laughs> and that's it. And he's not wrong. Bars. <laughs> bars on top of Bitten bars. Fire. Oh my word. That was in 2018. You write a diss track. That was in 2018 yeah. before he Endgame was, came out. He was way ahead of the curve. Now, if he said that after Endgame, I would have been all for him. But I can completely understand why Seth, your reaction to that would have just been nah. He 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 not spitting fire. He lying. Well, that was, that was to Tarantino. I only heard about this interview. About oh, really? Yeah. And Mackie isn't saying anything bad about Marvel, technically. He's just making an mm-hmm. observation about how characters are handled. Mm-hmm. It is. It also kind of goes with the fact that you can't watch Chris Evans' movie and not see Captain America. You yeah. can't watch a Robert Downey Jr. movie and not see Iron Man. They're becoming one and the same. And that's why Mackie talks about Tom Cruise, Will Smith, Schwarzenegger, Stallone. They could play any role, mostly. And you went to go see... Tom Cruise do amazing stunts. You went to go see Schwarzenegger's muscles. You went to see Stallone and whatever exercise he'd been doing for two years to prepare for this role of Rambo or of Rocky. That was the golden age of cinema. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible movies and Terminator movies and all of that have their charm because one, they're original stories for the most part. And somehow, there could be a lot of study on this, somehow you weren't connecting the actor to the character. Seth, you and I, we talked about this a little bit with uh, the movie Tenet, too. It was nice to just have fresh blood uh, in a movie, just with the actor not being tied to any role. Mm. That made it just more enjoyable because you aren't picturing them in different positions. And like, like Knives Out, I think I brought up in that episode, it was weird seeing Chris Evans 
in some other movie and when the final scene the reveal scene came out i was thinking what where where's his shield he can just block anything (laughs) that you're gonna do to him Mm -hmm. and it is it does kind of ruin like the viewer's experience almost with having all of these characters these actors tied to such big roles that it will take years in years for that to finally fall off and by the time that it's fallen off they'll probably at the end of be at the end of their career i have a feeling that it's because they were roped into contracts so quickly to do five movies three movies and two crossover whatever with i'm thinking christian bale now you can watch a christian bale movie and it's a christian bale movie he's more of a modern like like those few that mackie named they were the golden age of cinema but Christian Bale is more of the that version, but modern. People could watch him and not really, like, just be invested in his character and appreciate him as a movie star, where he was Jack in Newsies, he was Dick Cheney in Vice, he was Batman, he was so many different roles, and none of them really define him. Maybe that's part of him being a method actor, and he, he changes so dramatically for different roles, or used to. He really, he is... Christian Bale. There's a new movie that Bale is in is The Pale Blue Eye. And I want to watch it because it's a Christian Bale movie. And that's the entire point of what Mackie is saying is that there are actors who just can embody any character and you think of them less as an actor and more of that character. Whereas Mm -hmm. I believe Marvel has done, has made the character and the actor synonymous and not let them try something else, really, I guess. I think just to kind of argue what you guys are saying, I think you can really like play with someone's expectations once an actor has become so intertwined with hmm. a character such as like chris evans like you you didn't expect him to be the killer in knives out hmm. because he's captain america mm-hmm. which i think is so interesting and just to see an actor like him who played who played captain america from like 2011 to 2019 to see him afterwards play play his characters in movies like knives out and gray man so interesting to see him play like a character on like the completely other side of the coin and just see like his true range after Mm. he's been playing the same character for so long that's what i was thinking of his range you were talking about for a second how you're kind of even among different movies you kind of either are expecting something different or get a nod to it i believe in men in black when chris hemsworth Mm. was one of the characters and he caught a hammer or something and he did something i haven't i haven't watched the movie i i can appreciate that but at the same time that's just what we're talking about Mm -hmm. is his ever connection to thor he will not not be thor and i think that's a problem for him i think it can also bring out which people in the mcu is also just good actors i christian bale he was in the mcu obviously only for one movie and he was a villain so he's not going to be tied to that character at all but i think it'll also just show which actors can really just be in diverse roles and be seen as different characters even though they're tied to the mcu i think it's possible for them to be in another movie and the role to just be different enough in their acting be good enough for them to really not be seen in their original role i think that would be possible it the mcu does just make it just so much difficult so much more difficult for them to have possibility be as being seen as something else but i do think that if it is in their ability to be seen as something else the the benefits that they will have from that would just be exponential compared to as if they weren't in the MCU and had that role in the first place. Let's talk about plot really quick. Because the MCU has for a long time been 
accused, and rightfully so, of copy-pasting plot points between Marvel movies because it's kind of how... Part of it is an obligation because there is no real other way to do it, but other ways, it is a real disservice to, again, good stories that can be original or are at least based off of the comics, which some have really good stories. But specifically with bad guys, there is so much... The world will suffer if you don't. If I don't have my way, that's kind of the the way Namor is, and a bunch of other villains that are just I will destroy the world if you don't help me or whatever. There is for bad guys specifically. There needs to be a reason to do that, and I think again, I, I think this is pretty obvious. Is the the few villains that are really good in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are the ones who have a reason. Killmonger has been one example of a good villain that they killed off right away, but he had good reason for why he was doing the evil things. You kind of, you thought, what if he's right? What if his perspective is just the one that is right and I'm the wrong one? Same with Thanos. When we get to our Endgame episode, man, are we going to talk about, was Thanos right? Josh remembers this when we went to go see it. We talked about that for an hour afterwards. Hours. Hours. All right. It's a connection with the good writing, the good characters, the ones who have a reason to do what they do that gets us talking and gets us appreciative of them. Whereas I felt no stakes when Namor was threatening the Wakandans and the rest of Earth. There's no stakes. And we can talk about this a little more too. Like, I don't feel the weightiness of the threats. And with Infinity War ending on half the population of the universe getting dusted, that showed stakes. And it showed what the Avengers were fighting for in Endgame. Like, the the character posters for Endgame were Avenge the Fallen. It was cut and dry what their motivation was. And I don't feel any motivation for a lot of the things that these characters do anymore. Mm -hmm. I So back, I got two things. Back on your talk about villains, I would also argue that it's... There is a peak point where... Or no, I guess it's more of like an uncanny valley. You've got a villain who has a ton of reason, and you almost question whether he's right. And then the less reason he has for him, for his character, he just dips down into just being a bad villain or a poorly written. But then once you get into the maniac level, you've got Joker, Jack Horner, and these other like psycho characters. Just their madness in not having any reason is reason and does make a good villain. But if you just leave them as just being shallow and not having character to where they're just a bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy, then there's no risk in the film because you know by the end of the movie that a good's just going to overcome evil as it always does. Whereas in Endgame and Infinity War, there was that, hold on, it ended with Thanos winning. And even if they do end up going back and fixing all of this, there's no way that it'll ever be the same because they had years in between the blip people's lives lives were changed like can you imagine you just lost your wife you move on five years later you happily marry a new wife and then your old one comes back like those are the questions that start to come out of it and just that kind of like cliffhanger or i guess it doesn't have to be a cliffhanger but where you win but there is a big cost to it and it doesn't necessarily have to be the cost of someone's life but it can be just being put into a difficult situation that you just don't know how to deal with. And the MCU has also lost that, where by the end of the movie, everything's fine. 
and then you just get mm. a teaser for another movie. Mm. There's no there's no consequence to this villain coming into the story. They're just in the story, and then you fix all the wrongs that they did, and life goes on there some person goes through a training montage that you could have had any point in the storyline and it's just lost its spice in the what's supposed to be a climax of the movie is so predictable now i think part of what's just like causing so much fatigue in the MCU now too is that they're always in end of the world mode like mm-hmm. even through like yeah. all of phase four we had like i mean like shang chi eternals no way home multiverse of madness love and thunder wakanda forever all it was some like world ending plot in all of those and like even like if you just look at the infinity saga as a whole there's not that many there's not a whole lot of films with world ending plots mm-hmm. they're but local now, they're local yeah but now we think that that's they think that that's all we want now. It's just these big event films mm. instead of more character study films, which is like what, which is how we truly connect to the characters, so then we can appreciate them in the event films. Mm-hmm. This this goes back to my conversation or my my suggestion that the MCU is just a big TV show. It is when you look at it. You cannot yeah. watch the next yeah. episode until you've caught up on previous episodes. The CGI budget is going down dramatically. Story is kind of fading off. They're trying to make more quicker. Just like a bad TV show, everything is fixed by the end of the episode. There is no progression of story throughout the series. That is basically the Flash. <laughs> And the later seasons of Arrow. There may be a little bit of a hint to what comes up in the future finale. But for the most part, bad guy shows up. Hero fails to defeat the bad guy. Hero figures out how to beat the bad guy. Hero beats the bad guy and resets everything. Mm -hmm. No Way Home, as the biggest, bestest thing that Marvel has come out recently, and it hasn't even been recently, still suffered from that. And finished with everything back to normal, except everyone couldn't remember Peter. And I I guess that's a big thing, but there is... Everything was reset. Everyone was sent back to their universes, and as if nothing happened. And part of that, maybe, maybe you can do that, but there's still got to be consequences. Like, how do you, how do other people react? And like Josh said, in the blip, like they've they've touched on it a bunch on how the blip has affected other people. But I feel like showing the consequences of what happened in the story and why it was so dramatic should be more of a goal, I think. And yeah, just a lack of story progression, I think, has been mm-hmm. part of, many, many parts of the downfall of the MCU. Another thing, another downfall, we'll just keep listing downfalls here, is spectacle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is where this, this, <coughs> this is where the story starts to fall apart, is when, having made a few short films, I understand wanting to get from a certain point to another certain point. But the way you get in between there is just as important as those points. And so the bri- that bridge needs to be filled with good story. And what has been happening is that somebody in the Quantumania pitch meeting said, what if there is infinite Scots who then help him get to whatever that thing was? I don't even remember. It was so forgettable. And so they just figure out how to get from this to this to this. It could be a big thing like that. It could be a joke like the Jello guy who had no holes my gosh what a terrible joke that was it's like they wrote stuff on a whiteboard figured out which order they went in and then made the movie off of that like i want a funny jello guy i want infinite scots i want the orange citrus joke from civil war like they 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 just want beat to beat to beat i want darren cross's redemption to be him realizing that he's a 
it's <laughs> it's just beat to beat, no content. This goes with the the funny of Marvel is they want to go, especially Thor: Love and Thunder, joke to joke to joke, laugh laugh laugh. Not time to process. It's like a child. This is this is what Marvel is. It is a two year old watching Coco Melon. Bars. Tell me I'm wrong. It is flashy, <laughs> funny gags and things to keep you interested ignoring like any form of story i'm mm-hmm. not expecting cocomelon to have a good story at this point i'm not expecting marvel <laughs> to have a good story it is just just it's just that uh-huh i've used this analogy before and i think it fits perfectly with this mcu problem as well that a movie yes it's got a core meat imagine it as a plate full of food it's got meat and that meat is good on its own but it's the spice in everything the seasoning that you put on top of it and that's all of the stuff in between these big plot points the characters the the history of them and tying all of this stuff together i talked about this in the puss in boots episode where everything just has spice and it's (laughs) the side characters that make them so good and then it's also just these little moments here the deep meaning behind this character's actions and marvel has lost its spice it's just trying to feed you it's not taking the time to spice the food it's just trying to keep you fed so that you get fat and you no longer (laughs) enjoy food and then you're depressed because you're overweight sorry (laughs) i went off there (laughs) absolute bars oh yeah it's just it's weird to see now too what what directors Marvel gives full creative freedom to and which ones they interfere with way too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like Thor Love and Thunder, Taika Waititi should not have had as much creative freedom mm-hmm. as he did. I think he, he even he said he felt like a 10-year-old and Marvel said yes to everything he said. But then you got like multiverse of this. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Sam Raimi just go wild <sighs> with a Doctor Strange film. It was going to be so good. It was going to be so good. <laughs> I would I would love to see the original cut of that movie. But, I mean, of course, we're never going to see that. There's not much madness in the it's... multiverse of madness. No. But the they, CGI was kind of mad. Just... <laughs> they... Third eye I mean, popping. I feel like multiverse of madness was better than most of it's been. Even that's some funny moments. Yeah, they just interfered way too much with that one, which is just so sad to see with how much they let Taiko Tidi go loose with Thor Love and Thunder. On that note, you, you mentioned CGI. I need to basically... Pour one out for my animation boys all around the world who have been. Do you have a degree by any chance? I do. I do. Fun oh, fact. Oh, wow. Really? I have a degree in animation. I got to pour one out for my boys across the world who have been overworked by Marvel. Because for those of you who aren't aware, Marvel does very little animation in like a building titled Marvel Studios. A lot of what they do is sent out to other studios who obviously have an NDA. They can't say anything, but they have to work on these things. Mm-hmm. And they are overworked to try and get... I, I wouldn't say... Hmm, it's mostly due to quantity over quality. And the quality has decreased mm-hmm. because they need it faster and faster. Whereas we used to get, what, two movies a year? Now we have three shows and two movies and a uh, Christmas special where they need stuff to just come out faster. And the the animation studios are being driven into the ground. There's so much people, so many people coming out and talking about this. It's so sad that they are just worker bees 
that need to get stuff done. And it's not mm-hmm. their fault it looks bad. This is one thing to be to me made clear. It is not these talented, insanely talented animators, modelers, designers that make this look bad. It is because they're crunched for time. They're getting the bare minimum done. And then Marvel looks at it and is like, all right, it's good to go. It comes out tomorrow. Render it and get it on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. It is that they run out yeah. of time. That's what happened with Black Panther. This isn't a new problem. The first Black Panther final fight was, I believe, done a week before release. And that's why it looks really? like wow. plastic action figures. Is They just didn't have enough time or resources to get it done. They could have, definitely, but they, they were mm-hmm. crunched for time. So I also, whenever I talk about Marvel CGI, I am so sorry to those people who had to work on She-Hulk. Especially that one episode, if you know what I mean. Oh, no, I don't. Can I make a confession? You haven't watched She-Hulk. I've never seen She-Hulk. Good I don't feel for like I'm missing out you. on any. Good for you. Don't do it. I got baited by Daredevil. Yep, you and I both did, Zach. Josh, (laughs) I'm sure you know this. She-Hulk was twerking. And She-Hulk being a fully CGI character, somebody had to animate that. And I yeah. feel so bad for them. I I can't imagine. Imagine getting that scene. You're like, oh, I get to work on a Marvel show. Yes. It's, it's what now? <laughs> you want me to do what? I'm so sorry for whoever had to do that. It has been weird to see the downgrade of the Hulk, especially. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, More than just She-Hulk. If I'm, Bruce Banner himself. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, I mean, he didn't look that great in The Incredible Hulk. But if we're talking about an Avengers Age of Ultron, that was peak Hulk right Yes, there. yes. Like design and everything. I don't know why they decided to make the change in Ragnarok, but I liked, I liked Hulk a lot more, his design and all, in Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. And then it just kind of went downhill from Ragnarok, and then with Professor Hulk and everything, just sad. I don't now like I, Smart Hulk. I don't, I, yeah, I don't like, the I don't like Smart Hulk. I don't we like have lost. We have lost Hulk, who will just smash. And this was, yeah. it was a key point in Endgame. Like, they needed him mm-hmm. to kind of be that Hulk. That was fine. Considering what he was in She-Hulk, he, he won't smash anything the same way. He will tear things up in Avengers. And we can, do, we can do an episode on Hulk later. But think about the incredible Hulk fight scenes. Brutal. I was just going to bring that up. Just, when you talk about hand-to-hand combat, this is more than Captain America in Winter Soldier, which I think has some of the best hand-to-hand fight choreography of all the Marvel yeah. movies. Hulk versus Abomination. Oh, man, that was so good. Just yeah. going ham on each other. Using cars as boxing gloves is crazy. You would never see that with Smart Hulk. I I know that the Incredible Hulk can get some bad rep, but honestly, it's such a good Hulk character mm-hmm. because it is just... It's why you go to watch a Godzilla movie. You go there to see some <laughs> big monster tear down cities. And that showed, and maybe we'll do an epo- episode on it in Godzilla vs. King Kong. You went there to see Godzilla fight King Kong. And you got exactly that. The story was lacking, sure. <laughs> but you got that sick CGI fight. And I think the yeah. Incredible Hulk <laughs> delivered on that perfectly. I still remember getting goosebumps watching that in my chair at the clap and then the thing going away. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to. It's just sick. <laughs> and I, I, I do think that Incredible Hulk is peak Hulk. But I do think that second place for me would be Avengers slash Avengers Age of Ultron. Something that I do think did progress really well, too, is Iron Man suit. Mm -hmm. Because in the first Iron Man, it was kind of clanky. I do think that the nanotech is kind of cool. Go ahead. Yes. I do think that that's cool. I I do think we lost realism with the Iron Man suit. Fair enough. Fair enough. Especially when we got to... Infinity War and Endgame is when we really lost it. On top of that, stop 
giving everyone nanotech helmets and suits in general. Yes. Unless it has Great. a purpose in the story. It makes no sense. It's not yeah. cool. Having Scott Lang and Cassie Lang constantly having their helmets flip back and forward is annoying. You can have an actor act in a helmet. Pedro Pascal did that in Mandalorian, even though he, half of the time he's not there, apparently. I want to do an episode specifically on acting with a helmet. But them having nanotech Ant-Man suits makes zero sense. My favorite of all time suit up was Iron Man 2, where it came out of a suitcase and it is completely uh. impractical, but you see every piece shifting and moving yeah. with the motors. And especially in Iron Man 1, when you see literal screws turning and tightening things to his body, that mm -hmm. is Iron Man. And that is what it's supposed to be. And everyone else has kind of their spandex that they can wear. Captain America has a tight bodysuit and they, they have kind of modernize their outfits which i really appreciate they look really cool but everyone does not need a nanotech suit nanotech suits also make things way too easy facts i i saw this on youtube somewhere but quantum mania would have been a way more interesting film if scott and hope didn't have their suits it's like if cassie would have been the only one to actually have her suit like the inexperienced one that would have been so interesting <laughs> but instead they all just conveniently have them on their belts yep I, I do also want to say Iron Man 3 Iron Man suit mm. was also super, super cool. Yeah. Now, yes. I do think that that suitcase scene is like peak Iron Man right there. Now, obviously, yeah. his peak would have been the snap, but Iron Man's suit, that was awesome. But I do think Iron Man 3 having all of it fly to him in that one mm. scene where it's his face and it's flying towards them, towards oh, him, okay. and he does that sick flip and catches yeah. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that in the not only in the trailers but in the movie theater, you just sit there and you're like, oh, do it again, <laughs> do it again. <laughs> and with the nanotech, we the first time it was introduced was Infinity War, but there were still stakes. The point we talked about this in the Iron Man episode. The point of the Iron Man suit is to constantly evolve and fix past mistakes. In Infinity War, even when he didn't have any gaps in his armor, because that was a fix from Civil War when Scott got between his his metal in his plates and messed with his suit from the inside. So then he made one that was skin tight. But it you could understand that it was like a liquid where it certain parts had to be used. That was the point of his fight with Thanos, is that he had to decide what was the most important thing at that moment to redirect the nanotech to. That was part of the plot. It made sense. Just to have a suit that retracts into nothing makes no sense. And it doesn't provide any plot. Suit-ups can be really cool. And they have yeah. lost their touch with just make it nanotech. On top of that, mm -hmm. the practical costume design. My sister's going to like this because she is doing costume design for her college for their theater program. They never use, they almost never, I shouldn't say never, almost never use practical costumes anymore because they will just put CGI costumes over that. So why even bother mm -hmm. making a suit when you can just wear skin tight so that they can roto you out and put a digital suit on top of you? Yeah. It really did, did just fall off with all of that at Endgame. I honestly think that almost all maybe i'll eat my words later for this i'd say almost all of like the cgi the the character build up it all peaked in an infinity war and endgame now we did talk about an exception maybe being the hulk and iron man suit but i really do think that after that everything started to just fall apart because it didn't have the same time and everything like that kind of just to conclude everything we had talked about after endgame 
nothing got the attention that it needed. Nothing got the storytelling thing that it needed. Everything started to just be happy, feel good, and it was all about trying to chase a high that you got off of Infinity War and Endgame. And when something is good, it will have to come to an end at some point. Like we talked about with other movies, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Star Wars, stuff has to end in order for it to complete the story. Stories end, good things come to an end, and Endgame was a perfect ending, in my opinion. Again, we talked about an exception with No Way Home, but that's a different story. MCU has fallen off because they don't know how to end. It is think- It is a moneymaker that continues to bring in money no matter how many people yeah. see it or don't see it. I was just going to say, like, Marvel just needs to look at the X-Men movies to know what happens when you don't plan an ending. There you go. You crash and burn. Mm-hmm. New Mutants and Dark Phoenix for the last two X-Men movies. Neither of those were good. Marvel should avoid that by planning an ending. I hope. I hope that Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars is going to be that ending for them. I don't think it's going to be. I think they're going to keep churning out content until the cow's dead. I got I got a, a kind of a, a heavy question. Do you think the MCU is salvageable with the content that they have put out as of late? Now, people have said that Star Wars is not fixable with the sequel trilogies that they have come out with. Do you think Marvel is also at that point? Is Marvel truly dead? Hmm. I don't I don't I don't think so. Seth Hmm. practically in the real world no they will keep making movies regardless is it salvageable possibly and i hate to say this it's because they have introduced the multiverse they have their downfall could also be their way out exactly Mm -hmm. they have made it so easy to change things we talked about this in iron man they could at any moment bring back robert downey jr tony stark and they shouldn't we decided that but they could because of the multiverse, because of time travel, they have now lessened the stakes dramatically. Mm-hmm. So because of what has made us so frustrated with them, or with, with the story, and how nothing has any stakes, that could also be their saving grace. Now, I would argue, this is obviously a subjective question, I would argue Marvel is, this is going to be strong words, hmm. Marvel is dead, but to me. I think... I have consciously in the past week, week and a half, made the decision that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be the last movie for Marvel that I watch and that I'm not really going to be following anymore. Because, yes, I do think that it would be possible for them to salvage it, but I have no faith in them to salvage it. With Mm -hmm. the current direction of how Hollywood is, with everything starting to become some sort of political structure and you can't watch a movie without having some sort of message shoved down your throat, movies have slowly become into just some sort of political agenda. And I don't think that Marvel is going to follow through with trying to make it a good movie anymore or a good universe. They're making money. And they're making money because they're also putting some sort of idea in there that people are trying to support. And I'm not going to stand behind that because I, I just don't need that kind of that kind of content just being filtered through my head. And I think that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be my last one. And I it's so sad to me to think about that because I had so many good memories with Endgame. So many good memories with Infinity War. Going to watch Civil War. And then The Winter Soldier. And then the excitement of the first Avengers. It was a ride. And it was a roller coaster. And I would love to hop back on that roller coaster in 10 years when I re- rewatched the 
through them. But that roller coaster ended for me at Endgame. I'm done with it. I think it could be salvaged if leadership changes. We have seen that start happening with, uh, I mean, with Bob Iger back mm. at Disney instead of Bob Chapek. There's, they also had a VFX chief at Marvel get fired, mm-hmm. which is going to cause a change, I would assume. Yeah. There's, there's been some other shifts too that I, hopeful might lead to better quality and. Don't give me hope. <laughs> I don't that one line from Jeremy Renner. I don't see Iger as a saving grace because he's not yeah. perfect either. I was talking more Nolan, however. <laughs> Him on Marvel. Imagine Christopher Nolan writing a and directing oh, yeah. a Marvel movie. He would never. I was think, I was thinking more change. along the lines of Kevin Feige. As much as mm-hmm. we thought that he was the spearhead for the entire universe, I think there is a balance between letting handing the the director a blank check and letting them do what they want with it. We've seen that how that can be good with people like Christopher Nolan, not necessarily in a universe, just a studio saying, here's money, make a movie that we know is good. They did that basically with Taika and it was garbage. They also do that with James Gunn, and James Gunn does it really well. Picking good directors, not based on their race, not based on their gender, not based on anything that you can just point to and say, hey, this person is diverse. This person isn't white male. This is somebody different. Besides that, somebody who's qualified, who cares if they are black or white or male or female. Say it louder. If they're qualified, give them that job. Let them write an amazing story with amazing actors and just let it be good. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That is what Favreau started off as with Star Wars and Marvel. Like, he kind of had that vision. He and Filoni for Star Wars did really well with keeping Star Wars going through the Clone Wars and stuff. And Favreau got Iron Man off the ground. But for some reason, they have kind of fallen off too and just gone up for, gone towards the spectacle of a show or a movie. That's, that's what I got. If it's, if it's producers or directors that are changed out, and as long as they are good and don't just yeah. have a few movies under their belt like that's also been a problem there have been decisions in marvel and star wars that certain writers and directors have been picked simply because of their race or gender this goes back to what we kind of talked about in forced diversity they have almost zero movie talent literally look at their imdb and yet they're picked because they look different i will say though that peyton reed the director of ant-man didn't have much under his belt before doing the first ant-man film yeah i'm not saying that anybody who doesn't have movie making skills can't make a good movie it helps but there's all, when you lean too much into that for the biggest one yeah. of the biggest franchises in cinema history next to Star Wars I, I think that's a big mistake maybe they do need Christopher Nolan I wonder with with Quentin Tarantino's comment how he would approach a superhero film he probably wouldn't because it's not art he would rather not I mean superheroes are 20th and 21st century American mythology Greeks had their gods Romans had their gods and technically we sometimes steal from them like Thor but the superheroes that Stan Lee and others wrote are American mythology and so there's some art and respect to that and I think that Marvel for the first 10 years hit it off really well and did it well and they've been dropping the ball recently so is Marvel dead practically no they, not yet. No, because they will keep making movies. I think we said that in the Is Star Wars Dead episode, but personally, it pr- feels pretty dead. To the story lovers, to the people who appreciate films to a different degree than the classic layman, yeah, it's pretty dead. It is, it is an old man with two walkers in each hand struggling <laughs> to get along, living on the back of nostalgia. 
Wow. That's some deep stuff. Bars. Bars. Taiko Titi's character in Free Guy. <laughs> IPs and sequels. That's what the people want. It, it is. He was weirdly That's meta about that. Yep. Well, thank you, listener, for listening to our rant for all this time. The nerd, Sorry. Just one. I'm just talking <laughs> just to one, one person. <laughs> if you are our one listener, thank you. We we kind of had to use this as an outlet to just express our frustration. Sorry for the long episode, but I think it was I think it was all worth it. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on all our socials, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places, and share this with your friends, greatest five stars, follow us whatever you need to do on the platform. I hope you have a great day. God bless. See ya. Peace out, brethren. Peace out, brethren.